In the name of Jesus. Amen. Dear saints of God, how do you normally hear this text, this feast of the great banquet? As an evangelism text? There's always room in the Lord's house, in the Lord's church, so we go and we invite the people in. I guess it's true. There's always room for one more in the Lord's church, in His kingdom, even in here, even if it means that we have to sit a little bit closer to each other. There's always room for one more. The, the Lord's church can never, can never hang up uh, no vacancy sign. And it's good that we invite people to church, our friends and our neighbors, that we tell them, you hear the law everywhere you go, but come with me to the one place in the world that you can hear the gospel. Come with me to church. But this interpretation of the parable would see us as the servants that are going out, calling the people into church. And I think there is a better and more salutary way to hear the text. But we need a little bit of context. This first half of Luke chapter 14, in fact, from verse 1 until the end of our parable, the great banquet, verse 24, is the story of Jesus at a meal with the Pharisee, a ruler, in fact, of the Pharisees, and it's a, and it's a Sabbath. And a man who's sick with droopsy, he has swelling, he comes in and Jesus heals him, and then he's going to give them three teachings about the Sabbath. The first is Luke 14, 7 to 11. Jesus tells them that when you're invited to a wedding feast, you should always take the lowest place, the lowest seat. And if the master desires, he'll call you up to a higher place. Whoever humbles himself, says Jesus, will be exalted. Then, second, Jesus instructs them, when you yourself have a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. That's Luke 14, 12 to 14. You will be repaid, says Jesus, at the resurrection of the righteous. And this, dear saints, is a very important point. We want to pause and take a look at it. Because Jesus is pointing out in this second teaching the danger... Uh, this sounds strange. But He's pointing out the danger of good works. The danger that good works oppose to us. Because good works, more than anything else in the world, good works uh, are, tempt us to think that we're saved by them. You know what I'm talking about. If you, if you just go and you ask someone off the street if they're going to heaven and they say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go to heaven, of course. And you say, why? And they say, because I'm a, you know, because I'm a good person. Or because I try to do good. Because I'm better than average, maybe. Whatever. But good works, you see, and this is very, very important for us to notice. Good works try to take the place of Jesus as Savior. We Christians are uh, somewhat inocula... Uh, what is that called? We're, we're blocked from it. Inno <laughs> inoculated? Is that the right word? We're blocked from this kind of thing because we know that we're saved by grace through faith, apart from works, that no man can boast. But still good works are always trying to, to sneak in. They try to sneak in the back door. They sit in the chair that belongs to Jesus. And that, good work sneaking in the back door, that sounds something like this. 
Jesus died for your sins, but now what are you going to do for Him? Jesus, Jesus gave His life for you. What are you going to give for Him? You've heard this kind of preaching? I'm, I'm sure that you have. I pray that you would never hear it from this pulpit. For I don't know of a worse kind of preaching, a worse abuse of God's grace, as if the gospel had conditions, as if there were strings attached to it, as if the Lord gave us salvation as a loan that we had to repay. This kind of preaching turns the gospel into a bribe, into manipulation, into abuse. No, says Jesus. The people that come to the feast are people that cannot repay. That's who he wants. Dear saints, you never were and you never will be good enough for Jesus. Never. You live by mercy always, eternally. Good works are good for your neighbor. Do good works for your neighbor, but not for God, not to please Him, not to make you acceptable with Him. This is idolatry. His gifts cannot be repaid. That's what Jesus is teaching in the second teaching here at the Pharisee's house. And after He gives this teaching, there is a Pharisee who's eating with Him and He says with pious-sounding excitement, Blessed is the one who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. That's the verse right before our gospel text. Blessed is the one who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. This Pharisee is there sitting across the table from Jesus and he says, won't it be great someday to eat bread with God? The kingdom of God was right there with him, sitting in the same room at the same table with him, and he was missing it. And this is the context of the parable. Jesus answers, this Pharisee, the one who's so ecstatic about eating the kingdom, eating in the kingdom of God someday, Jesus answers and he tells them, I'll tell you a story about feasting in the kingdom of God. None of the people who were invited tasted that banquet. None of the people called game. They all had excuses. So the master went out and he invited the people in from the streets, the poor and the lame, the strangers and the travelers, people who were hungry and poor, people who could not repay him. These are the people that come in to eat this feast. And now we see what Jesus is doing with this parable. It's a warning. It's a warning to that Pharisee sitting across the table from him. It's a warning to the entire world and dear saints, it's a warning to us that we could miss this banquet, the feast, the kingdom of God. And how? How do we miss it? By being too good. If you are well, says Jesus, you don't need a doctor. If you are full and satisfied, you do not need a feast. If you are rich, you need nobody's generosity. If you're righteous, you do not need repentance. If you're good, you don't need a savior. If you're holy, you don't need forgiveness. You see it? If you are satisfied with yourself, with your own holiness, with your level of sanctification, with your goodness, if you are satisfied with yourself, then the feast of the kingdom of God could be sitting right across the table from you and you miss it. 
You see, we are not to find ourselves in this parable as the servants that are going out to call the people to the feast. We consider ourselves as the ones that are invited. And dear saints, if we would hear this parable with joy, we consider ourselves to be the ones mercifully invited. The ones, the ones who were not expected at the feast. The poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. Those that could not repay. That's you. A poor, miserable sinner who is called in the mercy of God to feast on the richest food of heaven. To feast on the mercy of God. To feast on the love of God. To feast on the forgiveness of all of your sins. To feast even on the very body and blood of Jesus given for you. Not because you are good enough and because you can repay. Not because of that. But given freely. With no strings attached. Because Jesus loves you. You. He dies for you. And He keeps you as His own. Come. All is ready. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.